0: Call it. Call it. yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 123 of Call It Friend, the podcast where two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week myself and DJ Richie host Danica Tiernan watched two spooky, spooky horror films, 1983's Psycho 2 and 1991's The People Under the Stairs. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call of Podcast. Drop us a line there for any feedback or recommendations. I'm also on Letterboxd at AndyCIFPod or AndyJRitchie. Hit me up. Peace. Foyer. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's, that's what word I'm talking I, about. <laughs> I pronounce
1: badly. <laughs> Got made do, you know fun who, of... do you know
0: who do you know who never pronounces words badly? Who? Michael Rice.
1: That's uh, well, nah, I don't know about that.
0: I wonder how he's doing. Great. Yeah, he yeah, was in he's Killers great. of the Flower Moon. He played was he? Uh, the lead. The Moon? Yeah. Moon-faced moon child.
1: Why you felt he, you felt uh, the sw- sweaty, guilty, racist? Uh, no,
0: Leonardo <laughs> no. DiCaprio wasn't racist. Let's get into it. What did you Shall think we? of yeah. Killers of the Flowers of, of the Flowers of the Moon? It's only fifteen minutes longer than Titanic. It's pretty good going, isn't it? It's pretty much and just like watching Titanic plus. Little which bit would extra. you rather rewatch? <sighs> right Right now? I? Well, probably Titanic, but that's because I haven't seen it for ages.
1: Titanic in a second and you know it Uh... that's the major problem with it now I ever since immediately seeing it I I, immediately upon immediately seeing it I had pretty negative things to say scenes in it have stayed with me are we talking about Titanic
0: still well okay (laughs) let's okay we 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 spoke about this off Mike Rice last week we forgot to mention that we were both going to watch Killers of the Firemen. Obviously, we were both going to watch it because it's a Martin yeah. Scorsese film and it's in the cinema. But I, I mentioned to you that my showing had like a 15-minute interval in it.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned to me in a text message that you you felt you didn't need it. it didn't I bother, Yeah,
0: no, I got up and I stretched my legs. I actually went out the cinema, which is a bit mad. I was just seeing if I could get something to drink somewhere, but it didn't, it didn't work out. So I just kind of shuffled back in and there was still five minutes on the... There was like a big I timer could've... up on the screen.
1: I could have done with uh, with a with a breather on it, just to give people some a tiny bit of context. I suppose this is about um, the. Surely everyone
0: knows what it is, right? Killers of the Fire. Anybody who's listening to this
1: podcast, they either don't care about movies or they care about movies a lot. So in either case, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why are we even bothering?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like at talk least about, two of the people I football. know who listen actively don't care about movies. They just enjoy Respect. our bands. They just
0: love your voice. Sexy, um, sexy voice.
1: Yeah, well, I read the book of this. The book is a clean, like two twenty pages. Um, I, I don't know. Which, first of all, a good okay, question what, for here. Okay, all which right. do you prefer, this or the Irishman? Probably
0: the Irishman,
1: but yes, me too.
0: That's my first reaction. If, if Irishman didn't have so much of that, like the jankiness to of the, you know, old old man Robert De Niro being, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, being someone up in the street, and
1: it'd be a classic.
0: Yeah, it would be great if if it'd be made at like a different time, maybe. Or if they'd got younger actors to play the young roles, then yeah, that, would, that well, would be on like a whole other level. But but that's a film I would rather wise, Script wise,
1: script-wise, it is just superior. Even though it is slightly too long, I would say also The Irishman is slightly too long. It has a very, it has a real through arc throughout it that's kind of haunting. And the longer it gets, sort of the more haunting it gets. Whereas... So with Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, to give something away from the book, it's not revealed. And maybe I'm a stupid reader. I'm definitely a stupid reader. But still, it's not revealed. And it is surprising. It's not revealed until halfway through that um, the Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro characters are behind Maddies. much of the business. Uh, it's uh, And now here's the thing. It's particularly actually surprising when you learn about the Robert De Niro character. You're kind of like, w- what? Um Seemed like such a nice man. So there's there is a bit there's a bit of a dramatic tension in the novel that they don't go for in the movie for some reason. And then the other problem I had with it is a problem I'm sure a lot of people will have with it. I think it is about an hour too long.
0: Yeah. I, well these I mean this is the problem really is the you know, streaming networks are giving him big bundles of cash saying, make what you want. Make whatever you and want. It's, yeah. it's clocking in you know, it's like mini series length. Like would it work better? as like a TV miniseries, 100%. Cinema
1: completely. 100%. I would have watched it over the course of two nights and been delighted yeah. by it. And I'm sorry. And I've heard him give uh, responses to this criticism and go him saying, should respect a movie, just sit down and watch the whole thing. And it's like, I don't have a problem with three and a half hour movies. I have a problem with your three and a half hour movie.
0: <laughs> like To be fair to, to, to be fair to Martin Scorsese, he's, Famously this week, he's uh, He's joined uh, Letterboxed, mm. and he's posted like a list of, you know, hundreds of films that he's watched. It's some of the most obscure, th- like there's so much stuff on there from like 1912. Yeah, and just he's a big fan of I've everything. Ne- so he's sitting around watching, like he'll sit through two hours of anything or three and a half hours probably.
1: Big fan of Tukibuki. Bookie. Well...
0: He's right. He's right to be. By the way, I just couldn't point out, I'm also on Letterboxd. I jumped on. I jumped on board. Just <laughs> Once Marty on. got on
1: board, you are saying this yeah, is I for me. Yeah, I was like,
0: well, you know what? I'm I'm also on there. You can find me on there. I'll put it in the show I don't show know
1: notes. how it works, but uh, I worked oh, I, my way it's, it's, through... It's lovely. It's great fun. A list of Alex Cox's favorite movies a few mm. years ago, which I was I was very happy with. Um Respect. The general problems I had with uh, Killers of the Flower Moon the length you'll get you'll get over. The but the other thing that kind of bummed me out and it, it bummed me out in an odd way because they're both so good in it. But Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro are too famous to disappear into those roles at this point. Particularly when you put them next to So the movie's very interesting. Uh, the, of course Lily Gladstone, Gladstone, I think is her name, yeah, yeah. is the, the the performance that everybody's rightfully celebrating. That's she's a, she's incredible in the film. I'd imagine Probably for cynical reasons, but she deserves it also. She'll probably pick up an Oscar this year. I would imagine that'll happen. But it's not just her. All the Native American actors, you've never seen them before. They're so interesting. Anytime they're on screen, I'm leaning in. I'm like, yes, brilliant. The only times I'm really intrigued by the DiCaprio and De Niro performances is when they're together and you have this weird father-son dynamic off them and they're conspiring and stuff. I think that's slightly interesting. But I just can't help but put this beside, and obviously this is unfair, but bear with me, I can't help but put this beside something like Goodfellas, which is almost an hour shorter, and the just the pace that it moves at, but also sort of telling, a, I don't know, an American arc, let's say, through time and through a certain subculture, right? I get that it, Goodfellas is one of the greatest movies of all time. That is an unfair comparison. But one thing that Goodfellas definitely concentrates on and achieves massively in is just pacing and tension. Whereas what Scorsese seems to have tried to do with Killers of the Flower Moon, maybe this was his intention, is tell a documentary story with only the reenactment scenes. They go through it. By the way, you, if you you can pick between reading the book or watching this movie, nothing is missed out on. Nothing. I would have, pro- I probably prefer the experience of reading the book, quite honestly. Like I've mentioned, lots of this has stuck with me. The money is 100% on the screen. It's such an expensive looking movie. And I'll probably watch it again to torture myself just to figure out am I dumb or not. But I'll tell you what, the one, like people complained about the bloatedness of The Irishman. I saw The Irishman in the cinema. I had such a good time. This For the last half hour, I was like, really, are we still going?
0: Yeah, I I found it weird when I was watching it. Like you say, you know, I haven't read the book, but just seeing these main characters just being so unlikable and evil, like almost right from the start. Yeah. It's it doesn't sit well at a certain point, but maybe that's part of the point is that you're not supposed to like them. But still, I mean, yeah. you think about you know, a lot of his other films, they're also focused on bad guys, but at least they were like and An entertainment entertaining bad guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's you know, the thing. he loves he showing bad guys, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas, Silence, all the I bad fucking guys. I, the bad I guys. fucking hate that response
1: to not getting a movie when people tell you that's the point. Fuck off. Like it is supposed to be entertaining. I don't give I don't give a fuck. Like Schindler's list is gloriously entertaining and funny. <laughs> it actually is. There's funny bits in it.
0: I don't remember the funny
1: bits. I mainly uh, remember
0: the six million people being gassed to death.
1: Yeah, you just named the biggest gag in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, obviously I don't believe the Holocaust was funny, ladies and gentlemen. Don't cut it. I'll stand by my goof. Okay. I'm I'm enough of an anti-anti-Semite to stand by my goof on this occasion. Anyway, yeah, I have to say, having read the book and when I saw the running length, I could have predicted this reaction I was having. I was anticipating not liking it. So maybe given a bit of space, I'll appreciate it more, you know? I just, not for me.
0: A lot of excellent faces in this film, like you were yes, saying about true. some of the Native American actors. It's like what we were talking about last week. There's some actual real looking people in here.
1: Oh, do you know who's great actually in this? Uh, Jesse Plemons. He's also really fun in, in all of his scenes. It's it, His career continues to astound me for such an odd looking, is his parents related kind of dude. <laughs> but I think he's really good in this.
0: He's married to, what's her name? Kirsten Dunce, yeah. Yeah, Kirsten Dunce. Well yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how she play. calls herself. Yeah,
1: they met on um, Fargo. Fargo season two, I'm going to say. No, Fargo season three. It's Fargo season three.
0: They met at Craft Services, probably. Why are you saying
1: Jesse's a big boy?
0: <laughs> hey, good on him. That's all I'll say. He knows how to eat.
1: All meth it's Damon is a big boy. Yeah, I heard an exactly. interesting um, observation about him one time. You you seen the Black Mirror episode where he plays the tech nerd fellow?
0: Well, the Star Trek thing.
1: Yeah, that yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a better a better concept for an episode than it is an actual episode, I would mm. say. But it's enjoyable enough. But Charlie Brooker was auditioning him for the role, and they were doing it they did it by a Zoom call, and um, because Charlie Brooker himself is a former heavy smoker, Jesse Plemons continued the phone call outside his house when he went out to smoke a cigarette. And Charlie Brooker has said in at least one interview that his mind was made up when he started smoking <laughs> on camera. He's like, "Thank, thank God, is nobody smoking anymore?" Uh, which I always liked as, a, as cool. a little bit of trivia. He was smoking yeah, yeah, meth,
0: though. Meth, Damon. Yeah, indeed. You're glad you're you repeating that. That's yeah, I respect. It' solid. That's a solid. I, it was a.
1: It was a. It was a great meme when it came out, and I'll stick by <laughs> yes. it forever. Quite frankly. I, hey,
0: listen, 2013 is. It was going strong, and I respect it. Anyway, oh, yeah, well, that... hey, also shout out to the two lawyers in the film, Brendan Fraser and John Lithgow. What oh, they're that? great, actually. For a back and forth. They're times. great.
1: Um, the, and the, in general, the supporting cast is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Brendan yeah. Fraser is. And actually, that's one scene that's really well, actually, really well done. They see this is the thing. Scenes of it keep coming, coming back to me that yeah. it's just like I know it's such a lazy criticism, but I genuinely think if they'd. Axed out some of the longer parts, particularly in the last forty-five minutes. This would have been really tight and nice. And once, like that in particular, when they convince him not to testify and basically take him back to their house and give him a big lecture. And and that's the thing as well, the the angle Scorsese decides to take on the story, or did decide to take on the story, is really interesting, and it's one that's in the book because you do get you do wonder he did love her, like they were in love, but. Somehow he was ruled by his uncle, and that is in the book hinted at and explored. Uh, but that I think is the main th- the main thing that uh, Scorsese was trying to explore in the film. Um, he's so
0: fucking stupid. That character, Leo's hell, character is
1: Leo's character. Yeah, he's just yeah.
0: awful. Like he's, he's just constantly doing bad things and going like, oh no, why are these why yeah. are, why do, why <laughs> yeah, yeah, are these yeah, yeah. consequences keep happening? I don't get it. He's yeah. like murdering people and then going like, why are they dead? Like that, I do that. I find that a little frustrating to have to like watch this really, really stupid character. Did you enjoy De Niro in the movie? Yeah, because he's, uh, give me that. Give me like the actual, you know. Yeah, mustache-twisting <laughs> evil villain. I'd rather that than a fucking idiot.
1: I do think he's very good right? in it. Um, yeah, he's
0: good. He's
1: good. I, th- I, I like. I think the two boys are enjoyable together. They're actually coll- going to be collaborating again with Scorsese in his next project, The Wager. I, I can't remember what it's about, but it's like, dude, man, now, man, let's Should get someone fun. else in there. Do you not think so?
0: Uh, why? Why? It's fine. They've worked well, together. Do a few you know times. what? I'll
1: I'll tell you one thing despite the fact that i enjoy a lot of his movies i have always there there's one or two out there where this is different blood diamond oddly might might be one but i i don't feel I don't get the sensation of Leonardo DiCaprio disappearing into a role ever. I'm <laughs> always watching Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: That's fair. Except when you're like, is he from South Africa? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. So the, There's one or two maybe more out there. But do you know what is actually as well? The movie gets a lot of shit. The Departed. I think he's really good in The Departed. I think he genuinely gives the impression of somebody going insane undercover. And then when he's in his movie star movies, it doesn't matter because he's being a movie star. But when he's like really attempting acts, acting, I find it grates against me a little bit. Where is his best
0: performance? Which,
1: what do I think? Leo, yeah. Certainly not The Revenant. He won the award for going hardcore jackass. <laughs> on that, I think <laughs> I think that's that's why they gave him the award. It's funny because they'd never throw an award to the jackass boys, but they basically gave him one for being <laughs> hardcore. There's one I'm missing out on that's definitely the right answer. You probably know it. What's yours?
0: Uh... What's eating Gilbert Grape? <laughs> uh-huh. You can't do that. Anymore. No, I would disagree with that. <laughs> Never go full something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just
1: it's just such a. Uh, <laughs> I am
0: Sam. I try, I'm trying to think what's the, what's what's the best Leonardo DiCaprio. You're kind of right, I guess. I mean, he's sort of playing himself a lot of the time, a version of himself. He just happens to do it really well.
1: Whereas, like De Niro does have five or six roles in his career of, I would say. Not at that level because he's not mental enough. I think he's one of the dickhead actors. I think that's his category, actually, that he's very good at the craft and therefore a bit of a wanker. And his reputation amongst uh, the general public would uh, back that up. But I think he does have like five or six roles where he is genuinely
0: brilliant. Jesse Plemons had five or six roles (laughs) before they started shooting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm. I need
1: an answer to my favorite Leo performance. I don't uh, know. You give me a. Uh, you give me uh, a let moment. Let me give you
0: one second, to, uh, please, while I have a look at his filmography. Yeah, you pick one. I'll pick one. Let's go. George DiCaprio. Who's that? You know when someone's like got too many roles and you have to when you go to their Wikipedia you have to go to the you extra to Wikipedia go, page. Yeah, I, I, I hate that. those
1: fuckers. <laughs> They're bastards. I hate okay. them.
0: I probably say um, Critters three if I he where he played Josh. That Was very good.
1: Do you know what? I watched The Aviator recently. He is terrific in that.
0: Is he? He's got like, uh, what was the thing that Howard Hughes had? Wrong with him? <laughs> he was mental. He I played think mental. He had mental. Yeah, that's great.
1: <laughs> um, um, the answer people would say is The Wolf of Wall Street.
0: I'm not a big fan of Wolf of Wall Street and I hate Jordan Belfort.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I so. like, I, I find it more enjoyable than you, but I, I don't, I think it's, um, as performances go, it's, uh, you know, it's ACDC playing whole a whole lot of Rosie. Like, it's, you know, it's no surprises. It's, I don't think, you know, it's, he's he's basically going to the levels, which not everybody can do that. Adam Sadler goes to in a typical comedy with that. It's not really, I think Blood Diamond, it might be mined, to be honest. Blood Diamond or The Departed. And I know, like, I hope I have enough credibility to know that I watch movies beyond... You know the DVDs <laughs> that were hanging around in my university fucking house. I think he's really good in both of those movies.
0: Uh, Once upon a uh, time in Hollywood. I think Once upon a
1: time in Hollywood is better than him in it. Um, if I was to, I think he's better in the other Tarantino movie actually. And act, and I would say, um, Brad Tango. Pitt is better than Leo in that movie also. Fair. Yeah. And I'm, as you know, I'm a big fan of that movie. Do you know what was a weird, wet fart of a film that that he did? uh, The J. Edgar Hoover J. Edgar, biopic. yeah,
0: I never saw that. It's
1: odd, I went to see it. The that, song. Yeah, it was uh, a big fan. Clint Eastwood. Wasn't a big fan. Now, what's your favorite Robert Niro performance? I know my answer.
0: I don't have it off the top of my head. Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> that's and, a good one. No,
1: no, no. Um, this is the hipster answer, but it's the right one. Him in um, The King of Comedy as yeah, Rupert that's, Popkin. Yeah, that's that is great. It is just...
0: But also worrying because I I feel like I've met so many people like that.
1: Like Rupert Popkin. Oh, 100%. We both have. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we've <laughs> we been know, to barbecues we can, we can with them. name them.
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, actually. But anyway, fuck
1: Killers of the Flower Moon yeah, because here's whatever. something that I would. Uh, do, do you have anything else you have been watching this week? I'm just still no, on The no, Shield and no, Deadwood, no, so it's I've not worth talking playing, about. I've
0: been uh, Spider Man 2 on the PS5. It's, it's really yeah. good. Is it fun? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um, it's good.
1: So besides Killers of the Flower Moon, I only watched uh, the films that we were watching for the podcast this week. Me and too. And
0: I have to say. I really fucking enjoyed them both. I did too. I was surprised. One of them, I'd I was seen surprised before. by
1: both because, of course, I was surprised I enjoyed Psycho 2 as much as I did. I'd heard it was good, but I had no idea how much I would enjoy it. I thought, mm-hmm. I think Psycho 2 is genuinely great. And the first 20 minutes of The People Under the Stairs made me feel I was going to hate it. <laughs> and I. <laughs> Fucking had such a blast for a finish. Yeah, it is very
0: I, fun. It's uh, it's wild. It's wild that, that it's like an insane like fever dream. That's how I think like, about it. It's like an
1: Amblin production where Christopher <laughs> Columbus and Wes Craven are arguing over directing duties most of, like through the picture. It's the the tone is just mental.
0: Yeah, it's so. Fun. It's very. Fu- it's funny in places. Yeah. Anyway, it is quite funny. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's, so let's psycho, to too. psycho too. Let's think about the old psycho too. Oh, let's
1: think about Psycho too. So were you, by the way, oh no, I'll get get to that when we get to our toss pick. Um, So you were a big fan too, were you? Did you, you didn't rewatch Psycho to prep for this or nothing?
0: No, no. But I I mean, from all the episodes that we've done, I know that you're a big slasher fan. I was talking to someone about this the other day of like, when I, like horror for me, first and foremost, I would be more about like. Ghosts and supernatural things more than slashers. There's something about when it's like a person. I still feel that I can, you know, I could still fuck them up. Probably. I'm just saying. I'm pretty dangerous. So, well, I do. What? What is it about know. slashers that they get? They get you. Is it like the quality? See, it of It is a subgenre, so it
1: doesn't. It doesn't it cover all of horror for me. What I Fair. like about a good slasher is. Hmm. Okay, so let's say. The, uh, for me, the greatest slasher of all time is um, John Carpenter's Halloween, which is, Bear. you know, oh, whatever. Yeah. The greatest book of all time is Ulysses by James <laughs> Joyce. It's like, yeah, whatever. But it, I, I, I think what it does with with so little is just truly phenomenal. I, I don't count really the original uh, Psycho because it hadn't yet got to the formula of knowing who the guy is and they're pursuing teenagers. That, to me, is a slasher. Psycho is in the DNA. Peeping Tom is in the DNA. Lots of the Italian giallo movies are in the DNA. So I like the way that slashers deviate at a certain point and just have fun doing the kills. But I like the fact that the best ones, the best ones have at their center, rather than the violence, a character that you want to root for, Mm. like laurie strode and i think the amazing thing about psycho 2 is they make the character at the center that you're rooting for norman bates also
0: the psycho yeah
1: i just think a tom holland a famous historian and uh, actor who plays (laughs) spider-man wrote the script you you've probably read up on the origin story about it i actually i listened to a a document at I listened to an interview with Richard Franklin about this and he was approached with the script basically to direct it. And the inspiration for it was the original writer of the Psycho novel
0: had uh, Robert Block, or whatever he's called. Yeah,
1: he wrote a sequel to send up the current slasher craze and Paramount were like, well, we're not having that. So they brought this <laughs> out, which this is a highly intelligent slasher movie. I think it's got big sort of things to say. About the format itself, but also about, like, I don't know, mental illness in a in a, in a a strange way. Because the thing is about, like, good slasher movies is the points they're making are never complicated. You know, they're, they're surface level stuff, really. I mean, famously and truthfully, so much of it is about female promiscuity and that'll get you killed. Like, for real, it will but like that that's the thing is that's the critique that people norm- normally lay at at Halloween for example but the the real thing about Halloween is Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode is it's not that she's not a slag it's that she's a nice person <laughs> She's she's nice like her friends are assholes they they are like fair enough they, they they shag around a bit but you know they're just dicks anyway this feels a bit like some of
0: the Jallos that we watched actually yeah like uh... yeah
1: 100% Particularly the, in the last five minutes when the twist is revealed. Yeah,
0: I was slightly worried about the twist just as it started, as it started kicking off. I was like, oh, but how it ended up, I, I was, yeah, I was, I was pretty happy. I have with to it. say, I was on the, board. F- the final sixty
1: seconds on the movie had my fucking jaw on the floor.
0: <laughs> and also,
1: funny. I have to say, yeah, because it is very jalo. Because you play, w- they play with the idea of, you know, is it real or is it not, in a very clever way. But also, I feel, maybe you'll disagree with me, I feel the mystery of the movie is retained up until the last minute, pretty much. You are going, like part of you is going, please, he's not mental. But then they're sending you signals, literally saying he's not mental, there's something going on. And you're like, what is going on? Don't make it that he's mental.
0: Uh, he wasn't mental, right? Until the very, very end. Well, no, he finally is,
1: like, but oh, he wasn't imagining all the stuff.
0: Yeah, but so he's been like fully gaslit into becoming <laughs> the psycho again. Yeah, yeah, he was 100%. basically okay. Yeah, yeah, but he they, was. They but they the, fucked with him and made him, you know, just put him back <laughs> into his default factory setting.
1: But this is the incredible thing about the subtext of the movie. So he's made a, he was made a psycho in the first movie by, by a lady, his abusive mother, and then it was a group of ladies.
0: <laughs> a group of ladies make him into a psycho again. And also made Anthony Perkins gay. We'll cover that later.
1: We will, yeah. Uh, funny old story that, but um, he's great, in it is also, isn't he? Yeah,
0: Some of the line
1: deliveries, slut. <laughs>
0: the only person I'm not particularly sure about is well, maybe you can guess. Um, is, oh, is is it the lady? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rick, yeah. she's not. She's not Rick quite up Tilly's... to speed. Character is, is uh, her acting is a little off, but it was supposed to be Jamie Lee. She spent so Curtis much time acting first. off of
1: Perkins and he's so good. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. I
0: was just saying they were going to cast Jamie Lee Curtis, that was the idea, but it, it basically fell through.
1: She was doing a lot of these at that time, that would have been quite a notch on her bedpost, so to speak. <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> good. That's how it's, but I mean, it. there's great, there's great cast. Um piling up all over the place. You've got Keith from Sopranos. You've got Sipowitz. Sipowitz in a a gloriously (laughs) greasy turn has to be
0: said. Being an arsehole.
1: Oh yeah, he's him. I mean, but they're all, I think Perkins is better in this than in the first one. I think he's so good. And I think the fact that he just has that very distinctive face and the fact that it's Perkins coming back to play the role is effective from the moment he turns around in the courtroom at the start and you see that's the guy from the first movie, aged twenty years. It just has yeah. this his big iconic face. Just has that sort of effect on you. As I said, the like the fact that you're kind of rooting for him. His odd line readings, slut. I don't kill people anymore. Remember, like he's just a <laughs> just this odd duck. Norman Bates is crazy. There's a whole bunch of people around here running for him uh, a close second. Yeah, like I mean, the local townspeople are all good and ah. Uh, Great fun.
0: I feel like that, like this kind of 20 set, 22 years, made 23 years after the first film sequel. We're that's happened quite a few times nowadays.
1: Yeah, this it was it like, was odd enough here though.
0: Yeah, like then it must have really thrown people like, oh, this There's is this gonna be
1: interview of um John Carpenter, David Cronenberg, and some other guy, uh, talking about this, uh, Joe Dante talking about the state of horror in the early 80s. Um, I think it's on the Dick Cavett show. And um, they ask him about the upcoming Psycho 2. And they're all like, what the hell? Why is anybody doing that? Why is anybody going to try and mess around with Hitch? And then um, you can also find this interview with Quentin Tarantino where he talks about Psycho 2. And he says he spoke to Richard Franklin about Psycho 2. And he asked him, um, what did you want from the movie? He said, I wanted people to in en- to enjoy it. In the context of the first movie, and then remember it, and then ideally, ten years after they saw it, they would remember a scene from it and not be able to remember whether it was from Psycho or Psycho Two, hmm. which is a nice little thought. I th- I like, and he was famously a student of um, right? He's like he's people.
0: a Hitchcock boy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think he actually really effectively makes a Hitchcock movie here. It, like, it, it's reserved, but it is violent. It is disturbing. It's probably actually not as disturbing as the original Psycho, I would say. Because, I don't know, f- having fun with murdering people was very much in vogue in the 80s. And uh, that carries out into the way that they carry off the murders. Well, I don't know. It, it's, it's very fun, very effective. I've been recommending it to people all week, quite frankly.
0: It's much better than I thought it was going to be. I had very low expectations going in, but it pretty quickly pulled me in, and yeah, I was I was shocked how much I liked this. Really, and was the mystery intriguing you throughout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think it was going to pay off, and it does, like doesn't I, it? I, yeah, it did. It totally. But I was I was very worried about where it me was too. going at points. But yeah, absolutely pays off. I just think this film was probably harmed because it's harmed from being the sequel to Psycho. Of course, yeah. And people just weren't, you know, people weren't comfortable with it back then. But man, this it is it's well a lot better than office, though, most things it? that people are making these days. Yeah, it cost five million and made about thirty-five. It did pretty well. Uh, oh, actually, I can. T- I, here's a question for you. It debuted at number two in the charts. Any idea what was number one? Big film in 1983. A sequel no. in a trilogy. Lethal Weapon 2? Return of the Jedi.
1: Ah, right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Lethal Weapon 2 was my answer. <laughs> very <Jesus> similar. <laughs> very similar.
0: The third film in the trilogy. Indeed. Okay, I'm just going to... This this, pl- this plot is coming court- courtesy of uh, Jimmy Wales. This one's from Wikipedia. All right. 22 years after his killing spree, Norman Bates is dementally sound and released from a mental institution, despite the protests of Marion Crane's sister... Is it Lila? Yeah. Or Lila, it's Lila, isn't it? Lila. Lila. Vera what Miles. a bitch. She's back. She's I hate back her so 80... much. I I'm glad advice... when
1: she gets a knife down the troth, quite frankly.
0: Against the advice of Dr. Bill Raymond, Norman moves to his old home behind the Bates Motel and Keys starts from working Sopranos. in a nearby diner. Robert Loggia, legend. We've talked about him before because he was in Pritzy's Honor. Nice. Your favorite film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh,
1: God, I hated Pritzy's Honor.
0: So I did, wait, so... While Norman Bates is in the the mental asylum thing, there's just someone running the motel for him. Yeah, super weird. Yeah, so he's like... And they're all taking it, poppers. He's got some connection to like the mental institution. Like they've something hired Something like him. that, yeah. Yeah, it's there's a like a employee. weird... Something fucking weird is going on there. That's not right. It's not right, man. He's we been employed to, I by want, the
1: government to maintain a motel and let people take poppers. And I want to
0: film about that. I want to know what was going on that allowed that to happen, to let that greasy guy I would like in to there.
1: see that movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is shut down. A little uh, investigative job on that. A young waitress there at the diner, Mary, gets thrown out of her boyfriend's place, and Norman offers her to stay at his home. He later discovers that the motel's in a new wild manager. Move, she
1: says yes. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe she's got some uh, ulterior motive. Who knows? Oh. He later discovers that the motel's new manager, Warren Toomey, is dealing drugs and fires him. Poppers. It's hard times. Hard times for old uh. What Perkins Dennis, discovered Dennis is friends. a broken bottle of uh, poppers. It's pretty yeah. funny. Norman's assimilation into society appears to go well until he begins to receive mysterious phone calls and notes from mother everywhere he goes. A drunk Get that t- slut
1: out of my house. Things like that.
0: A drunk Toomey later picks a fight with Norman, who suspects him of leaving the messages. Shortly after, a figure in a black dress kills Toomey. Du-du-du-du. What What did you think? I, at this point, did you think it was Norman Bates that was doing the murders? No, I didn't. Because I thought, I, I like, there. there's definitely,
1: that's what they want you to think. But a yeah. combination of me thinking that would be too dumb and this film is too good to go that way That was what, like, but that's what they want you to think, for sure. I
0: don't think that would be too dumb. I think it would be like, have you think that, then try and twist it that it's not him, and then twist it back and go, no, actually it was. I think that's fine. But it wasn't him in the end. I know, I know, but I'm just saying if they had done that, I wouldn't have thought that would be too dumb. Okay. It chose not to do that. I'm just saying that would be like kind of meta. One night, after hearing voices in the house, Norman enters his mother's bedroom to find it exactly as it was 22 years ago. That's solid. That's a that's, yeah. a, that's a great that's a great piece of, uh, of. If someone did that, they're they're dickheads. A sound lures him to the attic where he's locked in. A female figure later appears in front of two nearby teenagers and kills one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those poor teenagers. That it. So, uh, no, two, to do with two
0: teenagers break into the into the bottom of the house, into the uh, cellar, so that they can make out slash have sex on a horrible, like moldy mattress. Yes, the, the somebody's getting bedbugs
1: bed up their bum, in, on that, yeah, no. it's
0: not good. The second one, however, escapes. In the attic, Mary finds Norman, who shows her his mother's bedroom, only to find it back to its state of disuse. Wow, is he seeing things? Who knows the sheriff later questions them about the boy's murder i f it's funny about that because I feel like the 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 sheriff and his uh the sheriff and his guy are like saying you know they're not coming out right and saying like you know a girl has witnessed a murder in your house like they're <laughs> yeah, just like yeah, can yeah, we yeah. come in and have a look we believe her we believe that there's like a a dead body in here somewhere but it's like no i mean she's fucking witnessed a murder
1: ah uh, yeah it's very much in storyland, though i would say <laughs> yeah
0: fair also it's in the house of a guy who's like proven to have murdered multiple people but still mary claims they were out walking together at the time Norman fears he may have killed the boy since Mary told him the attic was unlocked when she found him. This lady, this Mary, man. That evening, Mary meets with Lila, her mother. The two have, in fact, been making the phone calls and notes, even posing at the window dressed as Norman's mother.
1: Yeah, that's a nice little twist when she calls her mother. Did you enjoy that? Yeah. Mother. I was like, oh, look at that. I wasn't expecting it.
0: Solid. Mary altered his mother's bedroom and locked Norman in the attic so she could change it back. All of this was an attempt to drive him insane again and have him recommitted. However, Mary's growing friendship with Norman has has convinced her he is no longer capable of killing. She suspects someone else is in the house, pointing out that Norman was locked in the attic at the time of the boy's death. Dr. Raymond discovers that Mary is Lila's daughter and suspects the two women must be the ones harassing Norman. Norman does not buy it, saying the one behind everything must be his real mother, in inverted commas, despite there being no record of him being adopted.
1: Um, I would like to draw attention to one scene in particular. I don't know, is it coming up or if you passed it by, but just in case. Do you remember when they dig up his mother's body?
0: Yeah, thats I think that's coming up. Okay. Norman confronts Mary, who says that she's given up her part in Lila's ruse. Lila, however, will not stop. While Lila is retrieving her mother costume from the cellar, a shadowy figure murders her. Meanwhile, the police find Toomey's body. Mary runs to the house to try to convince Norma to flee. He answers the phone and starts speaking to Mother. Mary listens in. Nobody's on the line with him. While oh. Norman debates with Mother about her command to kill Mary, she runs into the cellar and dresses up as Mother in a bid to get Norman to hang
1: up. Oh, this is uh, a, this is nuts, this part. So no, was, hold on, we have skipped over slightly. Yeah, yeah I think
0: we have. I think we have skipped over that part.
1: I just wanted to comment on it. I thought it was very funny that they're digging up the Mother and they've uh, added in these overdubs where the gravediggers are complaining and they're going, I can't believe we got to dig up the Mother on the day. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I know. This is bullshit, man. It's very funny. You and um, he
0: were buddies, weren't you?
1: But going back to uh, her putting on the wig and the dress and then ending up stabbing Dr. Keish, and uh, it's fantastic, that sequence of events. Very final destination.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here, here is Dr. Raymond grabs her from behind thinking he has caught her in the act of trying to drive Norman insane, and in her fright, Mary accidentally plunges a knife into his heart. Confronted by the sight of Mother standing over Dr. Raymond's bloody corpse, Norman's sanity finally snaps, and he advances upon Mary, babbling. Backing into the fruit cellar, she stumbles upon Lila's body, buried in a pile of coal. All this time, she's, like, just slicing Norman with her knife. Pretty Very bad. odd,
1: yeah. She's giving him, giving him stigmata.
0: Yeah, and he's just taking it. Assuming Norman is responsible, Mary raises her knife to kill him, but is shot dead by the incoming police. In light of an overheard argument between Mary and Lila, Mary's attempts to kill Norman and her dressing as his mother, the police incorrectly determine Mary committed all the murders. See, I would have been happy with it just ending, like, after that, and he's free, and we don't know. Yeah, like, I but would then you're okay extra then.
1: happy with the extra ending, no?
0: Well this is when I go this is when I first I was a little worried when they introduced the Emma Spool character so later Emma Spool another waitress from the diner visits Norman and informs him that she is his real mother and she's been but doing they, all the murders yeah Mrs Bates was her sister and adopted Norman as an infant while Emma was institutionalized Emma When reveals she comes that she to the window a real is
1: great you you see him in his kitchen making a toasted cheese sandwich god damn yeah. I wanted a toasted cheese sandwich after this movie <laughs> and you just see her appear at the window it's super creasy, creepy very nice
0: shot and then yeah then what happens so yeah she killed anybody who tried to harm her son and in response norman we so he gives her he gives her some of the poison like he gave to his mom but then he absolutely fucking bashes her <laughs> head <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah with a against shovel the table he fucking it comes out of nowhere yeah, that was. I was shocked when that happened, but I was like, "All right, you won me. You won me back over after about one minute of screen time." And then yeah, that's sweet. he carries her body upstairs up to his mother's room, and he begins talking to himself in the voice. He's, he's mother again. And that's you've got that nice setup now for future Psycho films, of which there were about 400.
1: No, there was only two, and they were apparently psycho both Psycho 3, crap.
0: Psycho 4. There was a Bates Motel thing in the early 90s, I think. Gus Van Sant Psycho. Gus Van Sant Psycho. There's another Bates Motel thing about 10 years ago, maybe. American Psycho. They love it, yeah. Uh, American Honey. Uh, American Maid. Yeah. Winnie the uh, Pooh, What's Upon a Time in America, yeah, all the all of these things.
1: Uh, Captain America: The First Avenger, <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> but strangely not Winter Soldier.
1: No, not the Winter so, Soldier. It's, it's not. It's canon. a different
0: franchise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got anything to say about any of these fucking bums? <laughs> it's all pretty sad, unfortunately. I've got a bit about Anthony Perkins, a bit about Old Meg Tilly, and then a the fun part about Lee Garlington. Actually, Let's it's not do it. that fun, but it's not as bad as the other two. Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates, son of actor Osgood Perkins, who was in the the pre-code Scarface. Yeah. Anthony Perkins is a Mayflower descendant. I think we've talked about a few of those over the time. He's got links to like the first people who ever lived if you consider the USA as the history the of the only world. people
1: ever. Yeah. yeah, who doesn't?
0: Yeah. Perkins wasn't close with his father. His dad died in 1937. Anthony Perkins developed an almost Oedipal relationship with his mother, who then shacked up with playwright Michaela O'Hara in what was probably a lesbian relationship. But it's not 100% 100 clear.
1: And then Anthony Perkins famously became a sort of gay.
0: Well, it was also during this time that Perkins' mother began to sexually abuse him. This is a quote. She was constantly touching me and caressing me, not realizing what effect she was having. She would touch me all over, even stroking the inside of my thighs right up to my crotch. This behavior continued on into his adulthood. Jesus. In the 50s, at the end of the Korean War, Perkins was drafted, revealing to the Selective Service that he was a practicing homosexual, which surprisingly did not go down well. No? No, he had constant battles with studios and homophobic sets over his sexuality. A lot of the female leads in films fell in love with him and were probably good disappointed. Man. He was. He was a very good looking man. In the early 1970s, he underwent conversion therapy and married model Barry Berenson in 1973. Yeah, he yeah, very yeah. good looking oh,
1: lady actually uh,
0: yeah it, apparently the the therapy was absolutely brutal and had uh, a terrible effect on him yeah because he, he was
1: an actual gay dude like.
0: yes and he <laughs> went on to have two children
1: oh man that must suck like being a, an actual gay dude convincing yourself you're not and like yeah. even like a hot lady like barry berenson or whatever she's name, it must just yep. be torture for your poor gay penis i feel like that like that sounds like i'm making fun but andy knows I, that's just the way i talk um, yeah, no, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. That sounds absolutely sensitive. horrific.
0: Perkins tested positive for HIV in 1990. and I didn't know this part of the story. Jesus. He died in 1992, age 60.
1: I knew he died younger than yeah. one would have expected, all right.
0: Yeah, HIV. But Barry Berenson was on uh, American Airlines Flight 11, which crashed right, into the yeah. North Tower of the World Trade Center. She died age 53.
1: Yeah, I knew that. Um, they have been would estranged for a while before he died, though, right?
0: He, I don't think so. I think they were still together, were they not?
1: I, I'm check. just uh, like I I haven't read anything. I'm just presuming because he had AIDS, so maybe no. They were still the married. Fellows. They
0: were still they were still married at the, the time. I mean, he was. I assume he was probably still doing other stuff, but they were still married. But Perkins had a very very interesting life. I would definitely recommend, like even just reading his. Wikipedia bio he's got what he's got like a really really very very long bio and uh, it's very very it's interesting there was talk of Andrew Garfield playing him um, in a film a biopic
1: is it fair to say he's what I would call category one just a uh, gets by on his own odd charisma
0: probably I, I realized I've seen so few of his films
1: I've only seen three. And, <laughs> I've uh, seen Psycho and Psycho 2. Two of them too. are called Psycho. I can't even, I,
0: yeah, I can't even think of any, any of the other things. He came really close to like a lot of major, major roles, but he ended up losing out. He was supposed to play Tony Curtis's part in Some Like It Hot. He tried out for James Dean's roles in East, in East of Eden and Rebel Without a Cause. He came very close to those. I've seen so the trial, it, the Orson Welles. Yeah, Miles. the Orson Welles mm-hmm. one. He was going to be uh, Tony in West Side Story. He had so many things that if they'd gone, he would have, you know, he would have had probably a.
1: I mean, that said, he lodger. is in literally one of the most iconic performances of all time.
0: True. Which, is like, I, I would say,
1: it, like, if you did a collective poll of all male performances of all time, critics across the world, he's getting into the top fifteen. I would say. Him and Psycho. One of Anthony Perkins's
0: head. romantic partners was Grover Dale, who yeah, also right, yeah. did conversion therapy. Yeah. And his son is... Don't know. James Badgedale from off of The Empty Man and The Pacific. Ah, fair play. So if he hadn't done that conversion therapy, I would never have got to see The Empty Man.
1: Or The Pacific.
0: Or The Pacific. Or some of the other things that James Dale was in... So you've never seen The Pacific, in, have you? Yeah, I have. Oh, Oh, yeah, you watched it Talked very recently. This. I watched it not that long ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rami Malek throwing stones into a man's open head. That's God what sticks with me.
1: No, I'm hard. Yeah. Anybody else interesting?
0: Meg Tilly. Rest
1: Anthony Perkins.
0: Yeah, friend of the show, Anthony Perkins. Meg Tilly, enemy of the show. Uh, just to clarify for anyone who's listening to this, that means she's alive and not dead, mm-hmm. because this is quite sad. Daughter of a Chinese-American father and a mother of Irish-Finnish descent. What's that
1: about that? You don't like mixed races?
0: Her parents divorced when she was three. She was raised by her mom and stepfather in Canada. Unfortunately, her stepfather was a violent pedophile.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: So there you go. There, is that white. Oh, That's what I get for making jokes. Face. Tilly, she's, uh, she's written multiple novels dealing with the theme. They look fairly troubling because they're mostly from the perspective yeah, I'm not of read like I I don't recommend. I am not going to read them either, but I don't recommend it. They're from the, per, they're from the perspective of like a teenage girl being sexually abused so yeah yeah i think she's uh i think she's dealt with it over the course of her life she's no she ended up not actually being in that much stuff she was dating what's his name colin firth and in like yeah. the late 80s early 90s that's right they and live then she took like a massive break Vancouver. from like from 94 to 2016 she wasn't in anything i think she basically kind of quit acting around like 94. She's come back and done a couple of things, but as far as 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 far as it seems, she just kind of she went into writing, which her writing, as I said, seems to be mainly trying to deal with all the, the horrible shit that happened to her when she was a kid.
1: We've covered so many actors with this sort of story, yeah, uh, yeah, on, yeah. The, on this podcast, and um, so it is sort of a profession that seems to attract more than its fair share of broken people. I would say, sure. One that popped up to mind because uh, I was going to rewatch Brian De Palma's Sister. Uh, sisters again and I was thinking about Margot Kidder and what a fucking horrible lot she just had just fucking and a talented actress but just yeah non-stop suffering and then the thing is with people like this the profession of acting is such that they give you big payouts and every like people think oh they're an actor they'll do grand but the thing is you gotta live and money doesn't last forever and fame is painful and the way a lot of people deal with pain is uh, by self-abuse, drugs, alcohol, stuff like that. Money runs out fast. You just need to keep at something that's essentially torturing you. Tom Hanks gets a lot of stick for being a pedophile. Um, He's not, obviously, but he does get stick that way. But he seems like he... I think one of the reasons he's such a rarity is he seems like a mega famous person who's genuinely okay. Because I don't think it's all like, I think it like we've noticed it so much doing this. So like when we look at movie, uh, movie stars from, I don't know, the seventies and stuff, so many of them are like war veterans that saw right. some shit. <laughs> like, and then the females, st- the things, just ladies who ran away from abusive yeah, families and yeah, things yeah. like that. And then there's other people, of course, who were just completely digested by fame and spat out. And I mean, even look at, poor old anthony perkins here like just another example of it molested by his mother became an actor and went put himself through conversion therapy and could never really face up to who he actually was publicly it's just nuts i'd like it's almost like i for for some reason i always come back to this analogy i I need to find a better one and it's, it's the fault of the movie spotlight when someone's talking about all the Catholic, pedophile priest, basically, he's saying it's such a proliferation that it, you, you can call it a psychological phenomenon. And the amount of like actors that we look at that are just broken by life, it's, I mean, they're statistically overrepresented in that profession, I would say, would you not?
0: Yeah, but I think that's the arts in general, though. I think that's, about, that's a mm. point about like the creation of art. I mean that's you know, that seems pretty clear that normally people who have suffered some kind of trauma tend to want to create art to deal with that trauma in some way.
1: And do you think they make better art?
0: Not necessarily. But I would say probably your few, everyone's favorite art was probably made by people that were quite troubled. Mm. I mean, I think for what you should want for your daughter is that she's the most boring person ever. <laughs> she just has a nice happy life and then goes <laughs> lives near you and then like works in an office or something be i want
1: that but i want her to be able to talk with me about manchester united and um <laughs> yeah. sex comedies of the 80s and 90s sure. that's is that so Sorry, much to mean. ask
0: yeah speaking of uh making huge amounts of uh, huge amounts of money meg tilly's sister jennifer tilly Oh, yeah. Remember her course. from Bound and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was married to Simpsons producer Sam Simon from 1984 to 1991. Not bad. So that, I mean, that's only like only two years of that overlaps with The Simpsons. When he died in 2015, he left her 30% of his Simpsons residuals in the will. Jesus Do you know how much Christ. she makes per year from those residuals? Tell me. $10 million just for her. Good God. Yeah. To be
1: fair, Bound is a pretty good movie. I like Bound.
0: Yeah, I mean she's so, she's been working the whole time. She 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 plays poker as well, Jennifer Tilly.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, but if you have got I've, ten million, I've on her Wikipedia in, page respect,
0: before.
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And also, she was clearly a great ex-wife because uh, you yeah. know he left her all that money. Sam
0: Simon was like, "Here, take my money." He gives he gave most of his money away to charity, but the rest of it, he said, "I, like I that liked guy. that film Bound so much." <laughs> exactly he's a big fan he's of like, Bond. I like the Wachowski Gary film. Shandling did that as well I believe respect okay I've got one more person to mention Lee Garlington who played Myrna who was one of the waitresses in the diner she okay. was originally cast as the female lead in the pile of Seinfeld playing a waitress called Claire however it was decided that it was too difficult to have a main character from a lower social status so she got shit canned and then they 100% agreed
1: her, like, I was having I was, I was getting instead. stressed
0: thinking about that how how yeah, was middle like, class middle-class-ass Jerry going to communicate with the waitress? It's not going to it's not going to work. Why is he friends with a waitress? Exactly. Nope. nope.
1: Yeah, All right. So that
0: was it. That was it. That's where we go. So big fat recommend for Psycho Two. It's solid uh, on Letterboxd, Spoilers for Letterboxd, but I gave it three and a half stars.
1: I'll join up Letterboxd. Yeah. Uh, what 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 do you? What's the maximum on Letterboxd?
0: Five. Uh, I'd five. go
1: four in the in the case of Psycho Two. Fair indeed. Yeah, I'd probably go with the three and a half. In the case of The People Under the Stairs, which is not to say... That's a reversal for me. I didn't enjoy it a whole bunch. I did enjoy it a whole bunch. You mentioned that you were fucking traumatized by this as a kid.
0: Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, so I was thinking about it. It came out in 1991. I saw it on Channel 4 late at night. Must have been at least two years later. I reckon it was about 93. I would have been about 12 years old. And I realized when watching it, I didn't even see the start. The first moment I can remember of this film is when the white guy has gone into the house in the in the uniform to see what's going on. Yeah. That's the first moment I can remember is is Ving Rames and the, the kids going in. Well, see that f- that was my that was my notion of the film, like that's how I'd always remembered it. Cuz the first 20 minutes is a bit of a pain in the ass. Fair. But I found watching this film, I, I've experienced this at least four or five times with stuff that I've seen when I was a kid, like Walkabout is one I remember saying it, but just having seen something as a child and rewatching it even 30 years later, mm. it was so familiar. Like every, not even just like beats, but like I could have told you the geography of the house. I could have told you what people looked like. Wow, it's so some of the imagery. I mean, I've got um, <laughs> I've got Everett McGill in the and the uh, suit and and mommy as well here in the, the image behind my head. So, yeah, like I just it, it, it was so striking when I was a kid. Also, this was like 1993 when I saw it. There, was, there wasn't Internet like there is now. I couldn't it's not like I could go out and check what it was. There was no way to even see like I didn't even see the start of it. I missed the first 20 minutes. So I was like, what the hell was that? How so do you, I hold on. explain How, wait,
1: to anyone? You, you saw this playing on TV, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just and missed so the start. I missed the start, and I, so I was like, I don't even... It took me a long time to even know what this was, because you couldn't really check anything like that back yeah, in the yeah, day. Yeah. There was no resource. It was just a Maybe case just of you co- going
1: into school the next day yeah, and going, like, did anyone see that film? this.
0: And everyone was like, no. <laughs> what
1: are you talking I had about? That, I had that. Wait, wait for this. I had that with Event Horizon. I Respect. went in... Which is a fucking a scary movie. I saw it like when I was like 13 or something. I remember going into school the next day going, oh, this is funny. Actually, I was t- talking to people about and there's this weird haunted ship and stuff like that. And then there was one other guy who had seen it and he's there talking to me. And then he starts talking about um, Tim Roth playing piano. And I was like, <laughs> wait, wait what's, what? it, what's that? The fuck are you talking about? What, what's and that then, called again? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, he'd watch that. Hold on.
0: What is that called again? I know I'm what you're talking about. I'm going to find it for
1: you now. There, as you mentioned, there it's was like no the internet.
0: It's like the ballad of the thing of 1900 or something. What's it called? The legend of 1900. Legend yeah. of 1900. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's so I, funny.
1: This guy, yeah, yeah, Mitchell was his name. And he's there responding. I was like, and he was saying, yeah, it was really freaky. I, I didn't know what to make of it. And I was like... I was watching satanic blood orgies. What I the was, fuck are you watching talking people's about?
0: People's fucking like body being taken apart piece by piece.
1: Yeah, yeah. Great movie though. And uh, yeah, yeah. This is a very enjoyable movie. Notes from the start. I should start uh, dressing like uh, Ving Rhames in this this film. He's very cool.
0: This is he one is, of the earliest Ving Rhames performances I can
1: think. It's of. It's weird seeing him as a total scumbag because he's so iconic.
0: Is he a total scumbag? He just he's. Wa- a t- he's-
1: and that's just what, you're to just too, too the... caught up in his later roles. That's what Wes Craven is going for as well. He 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 continues to put fool in danger just to save Fair. himself.
0: Yeah. Who did you side with? Did you were a big fan of Mommy and Daddy? <laughs>
1: Now it's a big Ving Rams guy. He goes, sure. what was, one of his lines is like, they should make me secretary of pussy. Um, what about that
0: other line where he said, <laughs> the classic line about Phil being 13? What was that? Too old for tit, too oh, young for yeah.
1: ass. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's a great line. It is. It's funny. So especially when you consider, have you how much of Wes Craven's filmography have you seen? Not as much as you, it's fair to
0: say. I've seen well, a bit.
1: His first two or three movies, I'm going to say, are of a very different tone. So The Last House on the Left and The Hills of Eyes 1 right. and 2. They are, particularly for me anyway, The Last House on the Left is intensely disturbing. Like, do you know what it's about?
0: It's like the moment of the rape.
1: Yeah, it's about some home invaders that break yeah. into a house and rape this girl. And um, she does. She murders them all yeah 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 she gets her revenge but it's like it's just told so frankly particularly you're watching it going this is the guy who made fucking scream
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, it's a long time in between those two events
1: exactly scream is so fun and to be fair nightmare on elm street is so fun but nightmare on elm street is already moving in the direction like there's horrific imagery in it for sure
0: some of those films are quite funny the freddy films
1: Wait, I really like the first three ones, and then I've never seen the 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 one that's celebrated near the end. Uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, but I quite like the first three, and then four and five. I was yeah, I kind of checked out of the franchise because I thought they were very silly. But um, which
0: which one's the meta one where like Robert England plays himself? And
1: yeah, that's, that's is that is Craven's nightmare? New I've, Nightmare? Yeah,
0: I think I have seen that.
1: That was quite celebrated when it came out. And it's very much the sort of thematic territory that led him into making Scream with Kevin Williamson, just the, the entire meta and examining how horror movies might be, uh, you know, affecting society. He also made a film, you, you know, when you're younger and you think all films are great and then finally you encounter one and <laughs> go, oh, no, some are terrible. This was an early one for me, a Vampire in Brooklyn. I was like, oh, oh no, yeah. some, some films are just are really bad. Yeah, yeah. But well, his early stuff being so disturbing and then Fred, like Nightmare on Elm Street is quite fun. And the people under the stairs comes across. It's almost like an Amblin horror movie. Like it's it's horrific, but it's also loads of fun. Um, the the baddies are quite cartoony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the premise is quite cartoony. And then when you read about what inspired the premise, you're thinking the Young Wes Craven would have made a very horrific movie out of that because do you know what inspired it?
0: No, was 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 there a real event of someone breaking yeah, yeah, into house? Like some tires, like a fritzel type thing?
1: Cat burger, yeah, exactly. Two uh, Los Angeles cat burglars discovered a fritzel type situation in the basement of a house, and that was what inspired it. Now, there's other movies that have been made with this premise. At least one, I would say, better. Don't breathe. Have you ever seen Don't Breathe?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: No, I love "Don't Breathe." It's gross with its big semen injection part. I don't remember the. I don't.
0: But he didn't have like a. Yeah, he's got a girl in the basement that he's... Does he? I don't remember that at all. I do remember the like turkey baster of cum. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah,
1: that's strangely. what the turkey baster of cum is for to <laughs> Strings, impregnate a lady. Okay, okay, I thought yeah, he yeah. just
0: had that around just in case to get himself. Is he he uh, ran out of stuffing or something. To get himself
1: back a new daughter.
0: Get, him, that's the, get himself the, through Christmas. That's
1: the plan, yeah. And the, like other versions of that, I don't know, the, like for example, the sequence in The Road where they discover the cannibal yeah, farm Yeah, yeah. It, it is a similar kind of a, just that mode of, they think they're the intruders, but it turns out the place they're intruding on is somewhere you Farmers. do not want to be. But this is kind of a fun version of that sort of story. <laughs> like,
0: and I don't, which is, is, is very fun.
1: It's difficult to transport yourself back to the 1990s. I mean, you were there. but So, like, was this fun or was this disturbing?
0: I'll say this, that, like, there's things about watching something from 1991 that I don't remember it looking so false when I was a kid. Like, Mm. you know how things like that change, how over a period of time, you know... If you watch something even from 20 years ago now, it starts to feel a little false because it's, it's, some things are kind of trapped in their time. It's weird it, that... It happens with things, you know, we notice, I notice it a big time when we watch stuff from the 70s or 80s more. Hmm. But I feel like this being in 1991, it feels almost like tail end of the 80s. There's a lot of this stuff of like fool going like, he he's... He's the whitest guy ever now, sucker, or things like that. Like, it's just. Yeah, the,
1: the dialogue, uh, is, I feel, is, 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 is more aged than the sets, actually. Um,
0: but it just looks. There's something about that. Like, I mean, basically, when I first watched it, it felt way more real. And this time around, it felt a lot more goofy. kind of goofy. Yeah, very goofy. Do you know what,
1: bizarrely, and I don't know how this is, stands the test of. Like for me anyway, you might disagree. I occasionally dip back in and rewatch episodes of the early X-Files and Mm. they still look quite good. And I don't know. This is one of the reasons I keep going back to them. I'm like, how is this still standing up? Because I go back, like I used to watch like Star Trek, the next generation. I can't look at a frame of that anymore. It's just it's too ridiculous. But the X-Files stands up bizarrely well. I feel like Fincher's films are going to stand
0: up. And they're going they understand the test of time. I mean, they already do. I mean, you know, Seven's from nineteen ninety-five. It's almost thirty years old, and it doesn't feel dated to me. Obviously, no, no, there's elements don't. of it. I mean, like, that, uh, there's no internet or anything, but but
1: it's the trick of a good director, I suppose. Because sure. the thing is, is like, look at The French Connection. Yeah. Like that hasn't dated, and it's the most seventies shit ever. It's just be, mm-hmm. it's just a good uh, if a director is good at capturing reality as opposed to capturing the style of filmmaking at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I mean, that's the other thing as well. Like I watched a few of the Nightmare on Elm Streets again in the last six months or so, and they are they're not scary. They're like, and there's some horrific imagery in them, but they're ju- it's just too goofy. There's like we're we're all just. Uh, we're over it, for want of a better word. And it's still fun. It's fun in the exact same way as the people under the stairs, which, again, the people under the stairs is loads of fun. I recommend people watch this. I had great crack watching it. Um, it yeah,
0: it's, it's definitely far more fun than it's scary. But I do remember it being scary when I was a kid. G- I mean, I sh- it's the kind of thing I probably shouldn't have been watching. There's one or two
1: moments in, it, in this that'll spook you, I would say.
0: One or two. I mean, a man in a GIMP suit running around with a shotgun trying to kill his son, who's in the... Wa- his son in inverted commas, who's in the walls, who has no tongue, that they've cut out. It's also very funny, though. It made me laugh a lot. <laughs> it's very funny. A lot of their dialogue is... Their, their interaction, I mean, they're like... There's Two one, actors from... They were both in Twin Peaks as a married couple. And they're hilarious. ridiculous in Twin Peaks. They're yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. they
1: they're, 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 It's the most over That's mental to, to cast the In the, the most over show in history, theirs is the most over-egged <laughs> performances. They're nuts in Twin Peaks. Your one has this eye patch, and she's obsessed with Venetian blinds, and your man is having an affair with the waitress. Respect. Oh, just nuts. The part where mommy says to daddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At this point is when fool has snuck back into the house. And by this point in the film, you've realized that there's there. It's not just a gimp suit. He's kind of a gimp. She's the brains of the operation. <laughs> and, um, she goes, uh, like, cause they, and at this point it has been revealed that they trap children that they kidnap down in the basement and cut out their tongues or, or, or off their ears or whatever. And then she says, she goes, uh, and we get we get him. We'll, we'll cut off more than just just his tongue, and then Daddy goes,
0: "His balls."
1: <laughs> it's very funny. I'm gonna track it down and get like just isolate the clip. Oh, do you, it's know, so funny. do you know
0: my favorite part is when uh, is when he kills the dog by mistake? Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> he just goes like, "Oops." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because fuck. Yeah, that's actually,
1: that's a real moment where you realize that he's the gimp because he's so <laughs> dumb with his reaction to that. I lo- She is born just to play venomous asshole bitches, isn't she? Like, that's her They're calling. Both
0: They're both so she- good.
1: And it also reminds you of what genius casting she was for Donnie Darko. Like, she's oh, so yeah. perfect in that role in Donnie she's Darko. She's a weirdo. Just the word divided between fear
0: and love.
1: Uh, yeah, she's terrific in that.
0: I don't Wait, think minute. she is. That isn't her. She's not in Donnie Darko. No way. Nah, it's someone else. Oh, how embarrassing. How embarrassing for me. It's not Wendy Roby. Who is it? Then? No, it's. Uh, I'm going to look it up. An other. Oh, you've looked it up. No, I'm just saying it's another person. I don't know.
1: Um, I will tell you in a second.
0: It's, it, it is Patrick it's, Swayze. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh, name of the character again I don't Kitty. know Kitty her name's Beth Grant Beth Grant Fucking Beth age Beth Grant
1: making me look bad on my podcast yeah
0: she was in No Country for Old Men she's Carla Jean's mother
1: oh right she is Carla Jean's mother yeah she's all the time
0: giving out about poor Ansel shame indeed what yeah. was it what was Everett McGill in he was in David Lynch's June
1: yeah, he just about did David and Lynch. story. From what I saw. Yeah, yeah. He, he got. Um, Tom the out deer of, dealer. He got coaxed out of retirement to um, come work with David Lynch again.
0: Uh, to do the Twin Peaks uh, revival.
1: Da- but David Lynch, you can just. David Lynch casts movies like like the way you and i talk about them like everybody's just got an interesting face <laughs> that seems the, the the that's what he needs if you can act Fair. bonus Ren, wendy roby yeah and she was also in she was in uh, vampire in brooklyn yeah um yeah, yeah was, great uh, career indeed yeah i'm gonna lash through the plot very quickly here uh very quickly well we'll see so there's not much also, to it. I did not know Poindexter was a real name. I just thought that was what yeah, they called. Yeah, no, I don't think it is. I, exactly.
0: I thought it was a mind... I think I'd heard that in The Simpsons, mainly. Well, there you go. But I think it's from, like... It's a character from Felix the Cat. And then it became a slang term. This is... I'm looking at the Wikipedia of Poindexter, yeah. It became, like, a nerd... It just became, like, the the name for nerds. But I can't believe it's at all a name.
1: Yeah, that's his real name, as opposed yeah. to Fool...
0: So Apparently, it's a surname that uh, came from Jersey, originally. The in,
1: such a, in such an odd opening, I can only assume, I'm about to say something pretentious, Go. I can only assume it was a, a tribute to um, the Agnes Varda film, Chloe from uh, 5 to 7, uh, which also opens with a tarot, because it just doesn't have any other bearing on the rest of the plot, the tarot opening. I can't figure it out. I like because this film is full of cheap metaphors, by the way, and analogies, very cheap ones. But the tarot, I like the
0: tarot scene because it's like it's like they're telling me everything, narrator style.
1: I got the fool. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I liked it. I thought it was very good.
1: So anyway, then we learn that a fool or Poindexter lives at home with his sister, who's got babies, and his mother, who's got a cancer inside her, and uh, they're going to be evicted. Because they got tricked by the small print. They don't mention the religion of the landlord, which thank God. Why well, they look
0: pretty Protestant to me? Yeah, no,
1: they're 100% Protestant. They are prods. Uh, anyway, Ving Rams, as opposed to being a wise old dude, is this fucking scumbag? He's a young buck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, with a only a nice fifty-year-old
0: buck. Wait, how old was he when he made this? Nah, he's probably about forty or something. Nineteen ninety one. He was born in nineteen fifty nine. Okay, no, he was like in his early thirties. <laughs> I swear he was about thirty-two. I would have sworn. To be he was fair, Ving rams is
1: the very definition of black don't Crack. Like he, he, he is truly an ageless man. Yeah. Um anyway, he lures Fool into a life of crime. And <laughs> and because we're so used to looking up to Ving Rames, I think it, like it is difficult to compute Ving Rames being an absolute scumbag in this movie. But that's what the script is actually. I'm sure. I just think basically his his charisma that we understand was only
0: discovered later in his career. But he was still very charismatic in this as well. Yeah, but
1: I like, I, I think Wes Craven didn't really know that. I think it, like... Only the earliest I can think of it is probably Pulp Fiction. Like he arrives on in Pulp Fiction, and you're like, "Oh, this is God, basically. This this is the person who I'll meet after I die." But here, like, because he's quite weaselly on occasion. Here,
0: anyway, he's yes, he's still fun.
1: He's very fun. He tells like he tells Fool he should take up a trade and introduces him to robbing houses, which I thought was quite fun. So they find the landlord's house who's going to evict the mother and all that. And they said, we're going to go over there and rob some gold coins with what's your man's name? The white, the white friend's name, Spencer, Spencer. Yeah, yeah. So Spencer goes in pretending to be a gas man and he disappears into the house. And uh, mommy, as we're to uh, learn, we've already got the uh, we've already gotten an insight, a peek into the house. They live with this girl called Alice, who they think is the bee's knees, but she's feeding some stuff to this person who lives in the walls, apparently. So anyway, they go to break into the house and uh, it's just nuts. There's something odd and weird going on. Spencer, he uh, fool, discovers, has been eaten and... He goes into the walls and feels weird things going on and gets rescued by this girl called Alice in her nightie and then finds Ving Rhames on the top floor listening to the ground all paranoid and stuff. They think there's something going on in the walls. We know there's something going on in the walls. Anyway, Mommy and Daddy come home with their ferocious Rottweiler dog who's a formidable uh, enemy and eventually Ving Rhames just gets his head blown off and gets shot down the stairs and then Fool retreats into the walls where he is rescued by this kid called Roach who retreated in there. And then he tricks Daddy, who's the male antagonist of the show, into killing his own dog. Now, by hook or by crook, along the way, we learn that basically they take children and if they're not good, they cut out their tongues and put them in the basement and feed them on human remains. So far, so good. And the, the mommy and daddy themselves eat human remains again. So far, so horrific. So good. Fool goes to rescue this girl, Alice, but she's too chicken shit to jump off the top floor. So he just gets back to the ghetto himself. And his grandfather says, oh, with the, just these gold coins, we can, you know, put your mama in hospital and pay rent until 1999. <laughs> yeah, so far in the future. But he doesn't want to do that, so he wants to go back and rescue Alice, so he does. And uh, by the way, also along the way, we, we've discovered that when Daddy uh, is in Daddy mode to for killing, he wears a gimp suit. Um, It's actually a good rug pull when he sneaks back into the house and they trick him with the tape recorder of them talking. That's pretty yeah. fun. You remember that, obviously, from watching it when you were younger, did you? Yeah, I do that
0: all the time. No, but I mean, like... I used, did, yeah, I know, because I took that and then I just used that ru- that ruse... I like to leave a recorder of my voice playing, so I can pound some people in my room.
1: <laughs> you can just leave your room open, <laughs> yes, and then so you, the tape fun. is just saying, "Oh yes, just in here having a casual <laughs> masturbate. Yeah. Don't mind me." Come and on, and then in. like somebody just goes, "Oh, Andy's having a masturbate." I'll come along and, and have a look, like and a then you just clock over the head for being a pervert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Right. Uh, anyway, yeah, the, you know, there's a chase around the house or whatever. Little did it in a horror scenario. Then they discover conveniently enough that the house is wired with dynamite. They're like, yeah, sure let's fucking blow up the house, <laughs> which is grand.
0: Wait, how is it wired with t- Oh, because he's put he's tried to stop Roach like getting out of all the, yeah, like, yeah, all yeah. the little uh hatches and stuff into the walls.
1: I'll tell you what, it's pretty cool when they jump down the chimney and land on the lady's head. I like yeah. that. And it's also cool when he whacks them with the uh, fire stick thing, uh, the poker. But anyway, eventually it all catches up with them. They find, he tells Alice that they're not her real parents and she's like, oh, I'm pissed. She's going to get her vengeance. But around the same time then, when all hell is breaking loose and they're going to blow up the house, the sister arrives along and the police with her and granddad with her and they're like, hey, your landlords and bad people and then in the bi- basement of the house fool discovers all this money and gold and he says oh there's no no wonder there's no money in the ghetto so there's a bit of social commentary going on <laughs> and then all the people from the ghetto are actually gathered around to collect the money as the house blows up and uh, the p- people from under the stairs who were actually just kids forced into cannibalism uh, they escape
0: the end and uh, yeah mommy and daddy are actually brother and sister it turns yeah, out yeah yeah that's right um nice. which Gives the film at least three more sexy points. The you know, end of the film they... reminds me of The Burbs a lot. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's the same, like the whole everyone's out on the street. The Burbs is better. I prefer The Burbs. Yeah, it's a better film. But uh,
1: this is pretty enjoyable. Um, I would not go out of my way to rewatch either one of these films, but if either one of them was on, I'd go, yeah, let's do Let's do that. That'd Wait fun.
0: 30 years and then watch People Under the Stairs. Or even better, got a time machine and watch it when you were a kid.
1: That I'll, But if I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell myself, dude, don't worry. You'll get over Sharon Cullinan. It's fine. Thank God. Indeed.
0: Go back to when you were 13 and just promise that even though you're too old for tit, the ass is coming. (laughs) You're going to get ass.
1: Like, what would you tell your time machine self? I I actually, I wrote half a movie one time uh, based on John Spillan of when uh, he would get the opportunity to do a time travel and he would go back and um, he was going to give himself all this advice. But instead, he um, just gets distracted by how much he used to fancy his babysitter when he was young. <laughs> but now he's like a 30 year old dude and the babysitter is still 16. But he's, <laughs> he pursues the babysitter rather than giving his younger self advice. So I- I- instead, of, um, yeah, instead of, of giving his younger self advice, he disguises himself as being the best friend of his younger selves <laughs> just so he can get to the babysitter. And the younger self is just very frustrated by this whole arrangement. It was a fun idea, but I couldn't figure out the end.
0: He told me his other idea, which was he wanted to go back to when Hitler's a baby and then shake his hand. That's what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> Enemy I mean, the show, John's Yeah, I think that's out of order, personally, but that's his idea.
1: Yeah, I bet Hitler was super cute as a baby, though. Yeah, a firm handshake as well. Yert, you want to know anything about any of these cast <laughs> fuckers? <laughs> Tell there's me n- about
0: it. Is there nothing. anything about anyone?
1: There's nothing interesting. Brandon, to know.
0: Brandon Adams, Brandon hey, Q. I had, Adams. Wait, wait, wait. I'll, I'll
1: go, uh, there, let's, there was. He was in Moonwalker.
0: Two. Respect. Hold on. He was in the Mighty Ducks. Legend. Man, a yeah. lot of these people have fallen off a bit.
1: Oh, Sean Whelan, who plays Roach, was uh, yeah. in the very first Got Milk commercial, which was directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> Respect.
0: <laughs> yeah. You hear like guys. We want to. We need to get Roach. <laughs> Can we get Roach and bay?
1: We need Roach. We need them Respect. here. Respect. And that was in 1993. Brilliant. Yeah, his last gig was he does the voice uh, and the motion capture of the hitchhiker in the Texas Chinso Massacre game from this year.
0: Man, so many people are not doing anything anymore. Fair play to Ving Rames because he's still going.
1: Yeah, he's hanging in there. Uh, 64. Yeah. Brandon Adams. do Yeah, again, he he was in the Mighty Ducks. Not doing much now. Ever McGill and Wendy Roby are all but retired. They're done, they're done. AJ yeah. Langer, on the other Fucking hand. Langer. Fucking Langer, exactly. He was uh, in my so called life. She was in my so called life with Claire. Well, that's Danes. a she. <laughs> I
0: didn't even know who it was. Oh, wait, wait, wait. She's the one who's married to. She's like a British. She's to a lord. Yeah, she's like a countess. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. She's married to a I did, lordy I did read about
1: her, yeah. Fair play. That's gotta be the dream if you're American, marrying a lord. Yeah, but lawyer. yeah,
0: exactly. He's he's in the house of lords. So that's mental. And like uh how did that happen? She was Alice. <laughs> <When> people, <laughs> she was Alice and people under the stairs and now she's married to a guy in the House of Lords. When people That's oh, mental. Like,
1: when we run into people like this, uh with not much interesting about them. We should just make things up. I mean, one interesting thing about Bill Cobbs is the first thing it says on his Wikipedia entry is not to be confused with Bill Cosby. <laughs> 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 Which is fun. Let's see, what else? He played Master Tinker. Ooh, can't say that anymore. On he's awesome. actually good.
0: He, he's in a lot of stuff. He's in he <laughs> is, yeah. He's
1: in the Sopranos in a memorable. Yeah, he's, he's a
0: solid, solid. Uh actor. he's
1: on the the Michael Richards show until well, you yeah, know. Until then, until that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The Michael Richards show. Did you even know that existed?
0: No, I don't think Michael Richards knew that existed.
1: And then we've got a uh, Kelly Kelly Joe Williams, yeah, who's been well, married sometimes to a, a singer songwriter, uh, Giorgio Alantini, since nineteen ninety two.
0: Sometimes there's not. We don't have to say something about the cast. Well, hold on. I mean,
1: you, I mean, it's about
0: Wes Craven. It's it's Wes Craven's gig. Do you not know about Do you not know about Giorgio uh, Alantini? Sure. He's one of my favorite multi-instrumentalists based in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's married really to actress enjoyed, uh, Kelly uh, Jo In 2003, I remember when he signed for RCA in 1991.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that think was a really, lot of that was inspired uh, by the fact that his mother was a retail salesperson <laughs> and his father was a naval officer.
0: I remember when he moved to Los Angeles at age 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tried to join
1: Prince's uh, Paisley I was Park. only
0: two years old. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: anyway, I can't believe uh, that lady was married to him. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's about all I have to say about that. Fun week it's watching rare. movies. So what are we distracting one another with this week, apart from dick pics?
0: Am I tossing the coin? I don't remember.
1: I think you're tossing the coin. All right, let me get the coin. I think I'm well, destined to win this week. Do you want to know why? Because it's
0: you're. I don't know.
1: Because I didn't actually know before picking Road Games um, that it was directed by the same dude who directed Psycho 2. It was just on my list and I randomly said, That's oh mental. yeah, Road Games. Yeah, yeah, You
0: almost got Road Games as the um, the film this week. It was one of the f- films I was going to put um, alongside Psycho 2. I was thinking about it. Yeah, there you go. Because I had a I look at Richard Franklin's filmography and uh, I saw that and went Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis that's mad. Oh yeah anyway
1: I've given the game away yeah, yeah. My, my film is Road, road, road games. games yours is uh, Road Games
0: 1981 one, one Australian American film. Jamie Cur- Lee
1: uh, Curtis uh, Stacy Keach Richard Franklin. How can you go wrong? It's going to be a winner. Jamie
0: Lee, Tony Curtis well I was still going on the spooky season theme so well, I would say Road Games is spooky Fair. season. No? Okay fine it depends it depends on what the companion film is. I realize i there's so many there's so many John Carpenter films I haven't seen. Me too. So I went for Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness I have seen. I thought um, you would have.
1: But the companion is so obvious you could even say it right now. In
0: the mouth of madness?
1: Of course. That's what I'm is that what it is? Okay, yeah. Okay, that's what right. we're doing if if you All win. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What are my options?
0: <laughs> Heads or tails um give me head okay i'm gonna let's see if i can do it first time i fucked it okay let's see if i can do a second time
1: it's heads oh my goodness uh, so you know what you could have won it would have been in the mouth of madness we were, and probably i would have watched made an effort to watch the thing and seen all the apocalypse trilogy in one week ah well fuck you john carpenter i went to see a primavera sound and I, no, I was about to say it was rubbish. She was actually really good. So what are we actually watching along with Richard Franklin's uh, road games? Well, you've Did got a you choice. Did you keep up
0: spooky, spooky seasons? No, you've got a choice. So you, okay. your your choices are country, genre, or actor. Oh,
1: I like all three of those options. Is there any that's more spooky than the other? You don't have to tell me which.
0: <sighs> none, none of them are particularly spooky. I guess one is, yeah, maybe... Well, all right, fuck it. We'll go Australia. Okay. This is a film I put up for a toss way, way, way back at the start. Um, it stars Angel off of Home and Away. I think that was her name. <laughs> it's Triangle. Triangle? I don't know well, this triangle? at all. You know Triangle from 2009? It's like a time loop film. I think it's like a sort of time. Yeah, horror as well. Horror mystery time loop thing. Oh, Melissa I mean, George, was good. she Angel in Home and Away? She was Angel. Thank God I was, wasn't wrong. What year is this film from? 2009.
1: Okay. All right. It's not what I was expecting when I said Australia, because the caliber of Australian film I tend to watch is like scuzzy men in the outback just whacking off into beer bottles and, well, this and murdering people eventually. It seems, a bit, this, yeah, yeah. I would be very disappointed on it if I ever go over to Australia and it's not just all that. <laughs> Just bleed yeah. degeneracy. Cool well,
0: genre. Genre film was it was going to be Steven Spielberg's Duel, which technically is a TV movie, but whatever. Oh wow! Have you never seen that? I don't think so. I may have done, but I don't remember.
1: Ah, Andy, honestly, it's eighty minutes long. If you have well, the, it's so good. It's just fantastic. I've seen that film a lot.
0: Wait, I'm not. I'm not Dawson from Dawson's Creek, so I can't watch Duel. Go! It's the best thing ever. Well, yeah, you're Casey Steven from jo- of, Dawson's Creek, correct. and I
1: am Dawson. And well, you fuck Joey, and Joy now I kind of hate you.
0: I don't remember who ends up with Joey at the end. Anyway, uh, the other thing was uh, Actor, and it was going to be a Stacey Keach performance from the 1970s, but he's about 10th in the cast list in this. What was it going to be? Uh, the Duelists. To put more dueling into uh, things.
1: I like The Duelists a lot, I actually. I haven't seen it. So it I would have been very happy with either of those. But it's Triangle. I picked what would have been objectively, if I had been given the choice, I picked exactly the movie I would have not picked.
0: Well, but, I think it's, I'm I'm glad it's the one that you did pick, because it's the one I'd rather watch.
1: Well, it's, you know, but it's good. And for it's horror, it's
0: spooky, and it's Australian. Well, I've never heard of it
1: at all, so, never heard yeah, of it's good. Oh, man. no, no, not know, a little bit outside comfort zone, and uh, uh, a psychological horror film that you've never heard of, and I'm not, I'm going to X Wikipedia right now, so I know absolutely nothing. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll get that fucking done But until then, I love you I love you too Bye. Bye